Welcome to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. Every Nation is a Bible-believing, multi-ethnic, non-denominational church hoping to transform the world one life at a time. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, good morning, Every Nation, New Jersey. God bless you. PA here, Pastor Adam Burt, and I'm so excited that you choose to spend your Sunday morning here with us at Every Nation, New Jersey. And uh, listen, before we dive in uh, to the book of 1 Corinthians today, uh, I need to ask you a question. So are you a movie person? Like, I don't mean at your house, like, do you like going to the theater, going to the movies, right? Um, if that's you, so so this is going to reveal a lot about your soul, but but what do you like to get? Do you get stuff from the refreshment stand? Like, uh, like are you a popcorn person, or or what, what do you do like that? Like, like my wife, um, she is she's a little bit odd until I tried it, and it's fantastic. She'll, she'll get the hot buttered popcorn, and then she'll get milk duds and put it in there, and you mix it all around. It's this salty, gooey goodness, and... Uh, Historically, I've been a red licorice guy at the movie theater, um, and maybe occasionally I've been known to sneak a protein bar uh, into the theater, and so don't judge me on that, okay? Hey, uh, um, uh, so maybe you're not a, a movie person. How about, any, is there anybody out there that you like You like the theater, like, like Broadway, uh, you like musicals, things like that, and I'm not a big musical guy. Um, my wife prefers uh, uh, musicals, and I prefer my wife, and so I go to musicals. Does that make sense, right? Do you see how all that lines up? And so uh, my wife's a, a big Broadway person, and so she, she likes that. And so inevitably, whenever I go, I have a great time. I, I, I enjoy myself. I, I find it moves me. Uh, we saw the, the uh, Broadway play uh, Beautiful. It's uh, the Carol King story. And, um, and so it was funny, like, like everyone in the, th- in the theater is is like 10 to 20 years older than me. So I'm feeling fantastic about myself. And it's so great, man, these older ladies sit next to me and they're they're reliving all these Carol King stories and, and they're literally crying, you know, they got tissues out and, and by the end of the Broadway play, I'm like, hey man, can I have some some of that tissue, right? <laughs> you know, I'm like crying and so, so Broadway, it moves me. And, and then uh, I, I don't know how many of you have ever been to the opera. Like, uh, um, I've been to the opera one time, and for the record, I think I'm good. I don't think I need to go to the opera anymore, okay? Um, it, was, it was funny. We, had, uh, we actually had, uh, in our church in Manhattan, uh, a woman who uh, uh, sang at the Metropolitan Opera. Uh, her name was Sung Hae, amazing woman. Great story how she came to Christ, and, and uh, hey, she did what every good church member would do. She offered her pastor tickets, right? <laughs> and so, so my wife and I, uh, Sung, Sung Hae was her name, uh, gave my wife Susan and I tickets uh, to the opera, and so it was awesome, man. We went down to to uh, Lincoln Center. If you've not been down there, like it's beautiful, and so uh, I, like I didn't even know what to wear, man. Do you have to get all dressed up? Like, do I need a tuxedo or what do you do? And so you know, we get to the opera, and then inside the opera house is is beautiful. It's it's magnificent. Like you feel more sophisticated just sitting in there. Like I think I started talking to my wife with a British accent, uh, but uh, but then you know, sure enough, the the curtains they roll up and the opera begins and I feel like uh, I was duped or someone should have warned me about this because the opera wasn't in English 
And so, uh, like, I'm just trying to see where Sung Hae is uh, in, in, the, in the play, uh, in the opera, and, you know, I'm trying to find her, and then I have no idea what's going on, because they're singing and speaking in Italian. Uh, but then come to find out, they actually have a teleprompter in the chair in front of you, so you can, it's, it's with subtitles, so you can read, and then try to figure out what's going on. So I'm like, Sung Hae, uh, subtitles, Sung Hae, subtitles, Sung Hae, Sung Hae, subtitle, subtitle, like trying to do it and by the end of the evening I was exhausted all right and so I can pretty much tell you I'm cool to never go to the opera again and I say all that to say this is is we're at a point in first Corinthians and Paul is going to address uh, when the Corinthians gather together uh, for their church services for their gatherings and, and it's really turned into confusion Right, because someone's uh, uh, giving a hymn, someone's giving a prophecy, someone's giving a tongue, someone's singing a, a offering special. Right, it's everything's going on at one time, and it's just confusion. In fact, Paul will reference this. He's going to say, "Hey, God is not a God uh, of confusion. He's a God of peace." and of order. And so Paul's going to address some stuff. And for you and I, uh, particularly the, here this morning, is is we're going to address um, prophecy uh, and tongues. So for the record, uh, as far as sermons go, this is going to be a real different one. This is going to feel much more teachy than preachy, okay? And, um, and so I am going to absolutely bombard you with scripture today, because the, the topics we're speaking about, prophecy and tongues, like like it can often be viewed as, as something fringe, something weird or strange, you know, spooky spiritual. And I want to prove to you, it's, it's not spooky spiritual. It's actually quite biblical. And so I'm going to give you verse upon verse upon verse today. So I need you to uh, stay with me, put on your, your thinking cap today. And so Lord, we ask for great grace as we open your word. And so let's begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We'll look at verses uh, 1 through 5. Paul says this, he says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And so I just want to pause just for one second. Paul says, pursue love. If you recall, 1 Corinthians 13, it's, it, the entire chapter is about love. Um, like spiritual gifts are powerful, uh, but they can also be dangerous if they're not used properly. And so Paul's big idea, like the warning label on spiritual gifts is this, make sure it's bathed and motivated by love, right? And then now you're uh, equipped to use spiritual gifts. So Paul goes on in verse two, he says, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. So did you get that? Someone who speaks in a tongue speaks to God. He says, for no one under understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people, right? So tongues speaks to God, uh, prophecy speaks to people. Uh, speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Verse 4, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. And so um, so here, let's, let's begin with tongues. And remember, Paul says, when you speak in a tongue, uh, you're speaking to God, not to people, right? And so 
Um, I can recall the first time I heard somebody uh, speak in tongues. I, I'd grown up in a very liturgical denomination, you know, and it was very strict. And then I, I went to this Pentecostal charismania uh, church and, and it was, a man, people were speaking in tongues and it wigged me out, man. I, I wanted to run for the exit, but my mom was with me. And so I thought, well, it, it must be okay. Um, in fact, uh, as, as I grew more accustomed to, to just hearing people speak in tongues, and um, I remember the, the, the pastor, he gave an altar call. Would you want to receive the power of the Holy Spirit and the evidence of it by speaking in tongues? Man, I, and I'm just a young kid. I'm like, yeah, I want power. <laughs> I want some power on my life. And so they did this altar call to the front. And all these people went out to the front to get hands laid on them uh, to, to receive the, the baptism of the Holy Holy Spirit. And, and I remember, I, you know, I'm a kind of a shy guy, you know, I, I know you might not believe it, but I'm, I'm really introverted. And, and so, but there's a bunch of people going up and, and as they were laying hands on people, um, the people laying on hands ministering, they're like speaking in loud tongues, ba 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 ra da, right? And as they're doing this, um, I, I got my eyes closed and I'm just like waiting for the Holy Spirit to possess me, right? <laughs> Please, like, like, let's get this tongue thing and power out of the way. And, it, and, and nothing was happening. And then I remember I opened my eyes and I looked around and I'm the only guy still standing. Right? I'm like, oh, please, God, hurry up and do this. And they said, they, they, the, the one guy ministering, he just says, just move your mouth. And I just said, duh, duh, duh. And he goes, good, you got it. Go sit down. <laughs> Most bizarre and odd thing that ever happened to me. And I don't want that uh, for you this morning. And so if you've heard um, uh, or witnessed people speaking in tongues, um, it, it can feel quite crazy, like, like a little bit strange and bizarre. And here's what I want to tell you this morning. You know what? The Bible would agree with you. Let me read to you uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 14, 23. Uh, Paul says, If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, an outsider or an unbeliever enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? <laughs> see, the Bible just agreed with you that, that when, when people not familiar with this, they come in and see tongues, they're going to be like, you guys, you folks are crazy, right? And so uh, um, uh, how about this? The, the first time uh, we we see uh, people speaking in tongues is on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And, and, and the tongues is, is so confusing and discombobulating. Do you know that they were accused of being drunk? Let me, let me read to you. Acts 2 verses 13 to 16. Uh, it, it says this, if I can find my place in, in Acts chapter 2. Uh, there it is, uh, 13 to 15. It says this, uh, but others mocking said they are filled with new wine. So this is the disciples in the upper room. Holy Spirit falls and they start speaking tongues. Verse 14, but Peter standing with the 11 lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. Right. And so like they, they thought that people were, were drunk or hammered. And so um, and then if you've ever heard people speaking in tongues like and it just sounds like confusion uh, or gibberish. Once again, the Bible is going to agree with you. 
1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 9, it says, So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. Right? He, Paul's saying this is, is like, hey man, the words, when you're speaking in tongues, nobody, and I mean nobody, not even yourself, uh, knows what, what's being said. Uh, and so uh, it, it just sounds like a bunch of j- uh, gibberish. And so, but, but here's what I want to say. As strange as, as the spiritual gift of tongues may sound, can I just tell you, there are a lot of strange things in your Bible. Like, like goodness sakes, uh, like how many know that we take people and we baptize them, we, we dunk people underwater, right? Like, like that's a little bit strange. Uh, and if you don't think like, like how about in Isaiah, in, in Isaiah chapter 20, God speaks to the prophet Isaiah and God says this. He says, uh, I want you to prophesy naked for three years. Can we agree? That's a little bit strange, right? But the scripture says, man, God says, my my ways aren't your ways, right? And so we just got to get over it. Uh, In John chapter 9, Jesus, uh, a a blind man comes to Jesus and he asks to be healed. And so what does Jesus do? (sighs) Spits in the ground, makes mud and puts it in the dude's eyes. So can we agree that's a little bit strange? And I'll do you even one more uh, for anyone that's ever been in old school foot washing, <laughs> like like where people literally, other members of the church will wash one another's feet as a sign of humility like Jesus. You ever done that? A little awkward, right? In fact, when Jesus, uh, he grabs a bucket and he takes off his outer clothing and he goes to wash Peter's feet. Peter's like, no way, Lord, get away from me, right? Because it's strange. It was awkward uh, for him. And and Jesus says, hey, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. And then Peter, he just he just flips it way the other way. He says, well, don't just wash my feet, wash my whole body. And Jesus is like, oh, Peter, you just made it weird, right? <laughs> and so, so we see that there's lots of strange things um, in the scripture. And so I want to say this about, about the spiritual gift of tongues, um, that for, for us here at Every Nation New Jersey, it's an open-handed uh, part of theology, Here's what I mean by that is, is uh, many theologians would say that there's, there's, there's the closed hand of theology and the open hand. And the big idea is this, there's certain things in the closed hand of theology, it's, it's things like this, the inerrancy of scripture, um, the virgin birth, the trinity, salvation by grace through faith. Like these are closed handed. These are non-negotiables. But there's other things that that we may agree to disagree on and we can still be brothers and still be sisters and walk together uh, in unity despite the fact. And so some of that would be, hey, baptisms. Uh, Do you baptize infants or is it only a believer's baptism, right? You can disagree upon these things uh, and still walk together. Uh, Worship styles. Do you do hymns? Are you allowed to have drums? Do you lift your hands up when you praise, right? We can have different uh, uh, opinions on these things, but it's in the open hand of theology. And so uh, I've had many people ask me this, hey, do you have to speak in tongues in order to be a Christian? And I'll just respond this way. No, you don't have to speak in tongues uh, in order to be a Christian, but you get to speak in tongues when you become a Christian. So let me just uh, tell you this. Like, Like, do you know that Paul, Paul wants you to speak in tongues? 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, in verse 5, uh, it says this. It says, Paul says, Now I want you all 
to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Did you catch that? Paul wants everybody to speak in tongues. Uh, he's going to say this. Um, apparently, Paul spoke in tongues a lot. Uh, look with me in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18, that uh, Paul says this. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. <laughs> well, excuse me, Paul, right? <laughs> I speak in tongues more than y'all. And so apparently Paul did it uh, an awful lot. Um, do you know that the, the gift of speaking in tongues, it's the one gift that you edify yourself with. We read it in 1 Corinthians 14, 4. I'll do it again. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, builds up himself and there's something that that when you pray in tongues or speak in tongues that you're building up your spirit man uh and i'll give you one more paul says this he says don't forbid it don't forbid speaking in tongues first corinthians 14 verse 39 it says so my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid the speaking uh in tongues and so, I um, uh, probably should have done this earlier, but we'll, but we'll do it now. I'd love to give you a simple definition for the spiritual gift of tongues. Uh, the word, when you see that the word tongues in, in your scripture, uh, it's the word glossa. It, it means tongue or language, uh, right? And so, uh, here's my simple definition for us. The spiritual gift of tongues is this, a spirit-inspired utterance or language. A spirit-inspired utterance or, or language. And so uh, some of the purposes uh, for this spiritual gift of tongues, let me just give you a few that I, that I think we can see from Scripture. Here's the first one is this. It's, it's for edification. Edification. And we just mentioned it, but I will read it again. 1 Corinthians 14.4, uh, Paul says, The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. And so I've kind of likened it this way, like, like when you pray in tongues, you're actually, you're pumping your spiritual tires, so to speak. Like, I don't know about you, but man, I'm filled with the spirit, but sometimes, man, I just feel empty and, and inside. And, and there's this idea that when you pray in a tongue, that you're actually edifying yourself. You're filling yourself up with the spirit. Uh, in fact, I think Paul points to this in Ephesians chapter five, verses 18 and 19. He says this. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. He says, but be filled with the Spirit. And then he's going to go on. This is how you fill yourself with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns, and wait for it, spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Like, I believe these spiritual songs are this, how, how you can sing uh, in, in another tongue, sing in the spirit, and you're building yourself up. You're edifying yourself. And so uh, it's for edification. Number two uh, gifts is this. It's for prayer and intercession. Uh, Paul's going to say it's to help us in our weakness. Look at this, Romans uh, 8, verses 26 to 27. Paul says, Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so Paul says, hey, in our weakness, like we don't always know what to pray. And so, so Paul says, I pray with groanings. I pray, I believe he's speaking about praying in tongues, and then the Spirit kind of kicks in and covers our deficiencies. And so I, I believe that the reason why Paul says, hey, I pray in tongues more than all of you, is because he had all these churches that he didn't have contact with, and yet he was responsible for. So I believe Paul was constantly praying in the Spirit, praying
praying in tongues over these churches because he didn't know what was going on, but the Spirit of God did and would fill in the blank spaces for him, right? And so it's for, for edification, prayer and intercession. And then uh, number three is this, uh, it's for missionary work, missionary work or, or missional work. So uh, I'll, I'll highlight this this way is, um, do you know, uh, back in Genesis chapter 11, you recall the Tower of Babel. And here's where sinful man was walking in unity. There was only one language on the planet. And, and God saw their wickedness. And when they were united, they said nothing will be impossible for them. And so what does God do? He confuses, uh, confuses the languages. And now there's all these different languages uh, around the globe. But how fascinating is it that on the day of Pentecost, uh, that when the Holy Spirit fell, man, as, as men begin to speak in tongues, they would hear one another in their native tongue. Let me show this to you in Acts 2, uh, verses 5 through 8. Acts 2, 5 through 8. It says this, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation uh, under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? And so uh, I've, I've actually heard testimonies of people out in the mission field, people that, that I, I love and enjoy trust as men and women of integrity, and they've actually like prayed in tongues uh, on the mission field, and, and the, the Holy Spirit used that uh, to, to, in order to communicate in their native language. And so a powerful gift uh, from uh, God and the Holy Spirit and useful in, in missionary work. Um, and then uh, lastly here, and this is what Paul's going to spend most of his time on, but Paul says, hey, when you're in the corporate setting, when you gather together, he says, uh, we, we don't want anybody like taking the microphone and praying in tongues uh, without an interpretation, which is yet another spiritual gift. In other, in other words, someone would speak in a tongue, and it was mandatory that someone needed to interpret so that what? He says, so that the church would be built up. He says, if people are just getting up, like, blabbing out in tongues, he's like, the church isn't built up, and it's a waste of time. Let me show you in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, I'm going to read verses 6 through 4. Uh, excuse me, 6 through 14, Paul says this, Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? He's like, again, if someone just speaks in tongues without an interpretation, no one knows what was said. Um, verse 7, he says, If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will we get... Who uh, will get ready for battle. And so he's saying, hey, if you're, uh, you know, blowing the bugle to charge and no one knows the sound, right? No one understands what's going on. And so, so it is with tongues without interpretation. Verse nine, so with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. Verse 10, there are doubtless many different languages in the world and none is without meaning. Uh, but if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and 
a speaker, a foreigner to me. Like, um, I don't know if you've ever done this, like been in a, a foreign land and, and you don't speak their language and they don't speak yours and you're trying to communicate and no one understands what's going on. And so what do you do? You start talking louder and the dude's like, hey, <laughs> I, I, loud, uh, incre- increasing the decibel is not going to help me understand a language I don't understand, right? And so uh, anyways, maybe that's just me. Verse 12, he says, so with yourselves, since you are eagle, eager for manifestation of the spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Right? And so, um, and so, so that's the gift uh, of speaking uh, in tongues. Let's look at uh, now uh, the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy. And if you break down the, the, the word, like the, the, sub, the uh, prefix uh, pro, it, it means before and then the, the uh, fissy part. Uh, it, it actually means uh, to speak. And so it means to speak before or to speak on behalf of another. And so if I can just uh, give you just a very simple definition uh, for prophecy this morning, it would be this. It's simply a word or a message from God. Like the gift of prophecy is a word or a message uh, from God. And so um, prophecy, if you've ever experienced it, is unbelievably powerful. Like to hear a word directed uh, towards you from the Lord is, is just amazing. In fact, uh, Paul, and we, we read it earlier, that prophecy is designed uh, to build up, to encourage, to console. Uh, we'll read it in 1 Corinthians 14.3. Paul says, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Upbuilding, encouragement, uh, and consolation. And so it's a, it's a very powerful gift. And so sometimes... Uh, the gift of prophecy. Did I mention that this is going to be very teachy and not very preachy? All right. No dog stories this morning. Stay with me. <laughs> so a lot of times that prophecy, um, it can be foretelling, foretelling. In other words, it's it's telling about uh, an event that hasn't occurred yet. And so uh, I'll give you an example of this in Acts chapter 11, verses 28 uh, to 29. It says this, uh, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius, so the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. Did you get that? And so Agabus, moving in the prophetic, he he saw, uh, uh, God gave him a revelation into the future that there's going to be a famine and we need to care uh, for the saints and the church at Jerusalem. And so that's foretelling. Um, I had this uh, occurred to me in my own life. Uh, I was uh, playing in the National Hockey League, or I wasn't actually playing because I'd had uh, uh, three back surgeries in one year, and I was, I was trying to recover and make it back into the league, and uh, I just felt the weight and pressure. Was I going to be able to get back or not? And, and I remember there's a, a, a man who, uh, he, he exercised the prophetic uh, gift very well, and, and so I just asked him, I'm like, hey, Rich, man, if, if God says anything, man, would you just keep your ear out? Uh, I just, I'm just so a little bit anxious about what's going to take place, you know, uh, 
uh, it, with my NHL career. And it was funny. Uh, days went by and I was like, well, swing and a miss. I guess God doesn't really have anything he wants to share with me on this. And then just as I was uh, getting into a cab, uh, leaving our assembly, uh, Rich runs out and he just says these simple words. He says, Adam, it's going to be sooner than later. right? And so I thought, oh, great. I'm going to be back playing sooner than later. And uh, less than a year, um, I would be out of the NHL and into full-time ministry. <laughs> but but you say, hey, how did that uplift and edify? Hey, well, here's what it did for me. You know, when, it, when, I, when I realized I was, I was forced to retire, it was in that moment I remembered that prophetic word. And, and I realized God wasn't abandoning me but he was transitioning me uh, into ministry. And so that strengthened and comforted me through a very difficult time. And so that's the the gift of prophecy. Sometimes it's foretelling. Uh, Other times it's forthtelling forthtelling. And, and here's what I mean by that. It's it's sometimes that God, he will explain the present from his point of view, right? And in so doing, should edify, encourage, and strengthen you. Uh, and so my, I, I shared this story before, but my, my wife Susan was going through like, like the dark night of the soul. And I remember I was fasting and praying, crying out to God for my wife, and just nothing seemed to work. And uh, we went to a prayer meeting, and, and a man prophesied four words over my my wife, four words over my wife, and in that moment, man, God healed something by those simple four prophetic words that God was explaining what what He was doing in her life in that moment, and it was it meant everything to her. And so, prophecy is this unbelievably powerful gift, man, to set people free, to encourage, uplift, and edify. However, however. That, that this gift used improperly or wrongly can be uh, unbelievably dangerous. Uh, and so uh, so God is going to put safeguards uh, around the gift of prophecy. And, and we're going to read about them. Um, like Just like any, any other powerful gift, man, like, 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 like medicine, what do they do? They put, man, that safety lock where you just can't get it. Like it, uh, it child-proofs me, right? And, um, and so uh, you're driving a car. They put all these safeguards around it, rules on how you drive. Similarly, uh, prophecy that God's going to put all these safeguards around it. Because um, I've seen people uh, manipulate, weaponize the gift of prophecy, and, and that's not what it's for. Uh, I've seen also, there's been times like, like that people aren't malicious, but they just get it wrong. And, and here's the reason why, and I think Paul gives us a glimpse. Uh, he says this in, in 1 Corinthians 13, 9. Paul says, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part. In other words, Paul's like, hey man, it's it's not quite quite clear what the it's, it can be fuzzy at times. Like um, he, he goes on and he'll say this in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. He says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. And so a mirror back in the first century was just this highly polished metal, but you can imagine um, it, it's still kind of blurry. It's not very like intricate and, and distinct. And so sometimes people just get it wrong, right? And so uh, uh, in, when, you, when you're actually trying to, to uh, decipher a, a prophetic word from the Lord, I mean, there's a lot of things you got to discern. you got to discern, number one, is this just me? Like sometimes out of the, you know, my heart or love for people, I, I would want to, like, I, I feel like God would say this, right? And, and so you got to determine, is it, is it you? Uh, is it the devil that, that you're sensing? Like the scripture would say that the devil masquerades as an angel of light. Uh-oh, um, it could be your flesh. 
like like your pride, you're just like, hey, watch me. I'm going to prophesy. I'm going to be the mouthpiece of God, right? Or, or, or it could be the Holy Spirit ministering through your life. And so here's some of the safeguards that, that, that Paul is going to put on uh, the prophetic. Uh, he's going to say this in 1 Corinthians 14, 29. He says, let two or three prophets speak and let, then let others weigh what is said. Let others weigh what, what, what is said. And so he's, gonna, he's like, hey, um, you can prophesy, but then others need to judge this word to see if it's, if it's in line with the heart of God. He'll say it again differently in 1 Thessalonians uh, 5, 20 to 21. Paul says, do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. Right? And so, so Paul's clear. Like a prophetic word, it needs to be weighed. It needs to be tested. And so, so here's some of the ways that we weigh and test the word of God. Uh, or excuse me, a, a prophetic word. <laughs> is this? It, it begins with uh, the word of God. That, that man, the Bible, that, that every prophetic word, it needs to line up uh, with the scriptures. Like, I, like I've shared this, this uh, illustration for years. I don't have a better one, all right? But uh, like, I'm not the fix-it guy at our house. I'm, I'm not very handy. But my wife's like, she, I'm trying to like fake the funk with my wife. And so, uh, so she says to go hang a shelf. And so, so I go hang this shelf and I think I crushed it. So I invited Susan in. Hey, baby, come look at this shelf I just did. She's like, that shelf is crooked. I'm like, woman, what you talking about, right? And, and so we got what was called a level. Have you seen this? Like, like it's what's determined something is level or straight or not. And sure enough, I put the level on that thing. It was like, and it was out of, out of level, right? It wasn't straight. And in the same way, man, if this word, if the prophecy doesn't line up with the level of the word of God, uh, that word's got to go. Um, here's another way is, you know, you could submit the word to elders and to pastors to, to let people with a little bit more spiritual uh, wisdom or maturity on their life to, to help you discern whether this prophetic word is, is true. And then uh, uh, lastly as well, there's spiritual community. There's spiritual community that, that others that know you well and know the word of God, uh, that they can help you discern or weigh the prophetic words. In fact, here at Every Nation, New Jersey, if, if anyone's operating the prophetic gift, we always have them uh, kind of record it so it can be weighed uh, and, and it can be judged. Um, and, and as well, like whenever you, someone prophesies or prays over you like that, man, you just wind up crying. You miss half of it. And so uh, as, as well, the recording is there. And so uh, listen, we want to be a prophetic people, right? Um, like I've not met the person who says, hey, I, I don't want to be up, uh, uh, built up. I don't want to be encouraged or consoled, right? Like, like no one says that. Everybody loves to be encouraged, to be uplifted, and the prophetic is unbelievable uh, at doing that. Listen, when, when a true authentic prophecy is present in the church, it explodes, man. The church will explode and grow. It's, it's listen, everyone wins except the devil. All right. And so Paul wants to encourage it in the church to uplift and, and to, to build up. Now, uh, here's a message for those of you that, that minister in the prophetic. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a grid to operate from. Cause once again, we put safeguards. Sometimes we got to uh, protect us from us. So here's the, here's the first part of your grid is this. Uh, when you prophesy or minister uh, prophecy, uh, here's what you need to do. It all needs to be motivated by love. It just does. Like Paul spent an entire chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, before he started talking about prophecy. It's, it's got to be motivated uh, by love, a love for God, 
and a love for people. Uh, the second motor, uh, grid is this, is it has to be bathed in humility. Like you need to be humble. So you don't get to say, hey, thus says the Lord. Eh, maybe or maybe not. And so you need to, to change that and just, man, when you prophesy and pray over someone, it needs to be bathed in humility. Like it should be framed with words like this. I feel like the Lord is saying X, Y, Z, or I submit this to you humbly um, that this might be what the Lord is saying, right? And so it's bathed in humility, motivated by love, bathed in humility. And then the third thing is, is, is biblical. It's got to line up with the word of God. It needs to be encouraging uplifting and, and, and consoling and so um here at every nation new jersey like we want to be a people that are, that are biblically serious and spiritually alive biblically serious and spiritually alive and so um i've heard it said like this when when a church is is biblical but not spiritual they dry up and when a church is spiritual but not biblical uh, they blow up right but if you can be biblical and spiritual that you'll grow up. And that's Paul's big idea, to, to uplift and build up the church uh, through the gifts. And so I'm going to enter time this morning uh, uh, by, by, with the words of Paul, because I don't think I could do it any better. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 39 to 40, Paul says this, So my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. Let's pray. Lord, I just uh, thank you for this time that we could spend together this morning, God. And Lord, this this can be like like some uh, difficult uh, topic to, to speak through. But Lord, I, I just pray, uh, Lord, that, that your word uh, would be the level on our life. Lord, we're going to, if it's in the book, then we're going to walk in it. And so, Lord, I pray grace to do that. Uh, Lord, I pray that, uh, that, that we would be a biblically serious uh, people, but we'd be spiritually alive. Lord, give us grace. Lord, I pray a blessing on all those listening this morning in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit of God. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen, every nation. Well, listen, um, the, the sermon's over with. We're not quite finished. Is uh, I just want to encourage you that you can remain faithful in your tithing and uh, your giving. For those of you that have supported us here at Every Nation New Jersey, can I just say thank you and God bless you. And God says this, I honor those people who honor me. And so there's three ways that you can give. Um, you can go to our website uh, and uh, just uh, it's encnj.org. Just hit the giving icon. Uh, or you can give via text. My family and I give this way. It's extremely convenient if you just text the letters ENCNJ to the number 77977. Uh, very easy way to give. Or lastly, you can mail in your check or money order right here to our church offices at 101 Gibraltar Drive, right here in Morris Plains, New Jersey. Listen, every nation, God loves you and has a great plan for your life. And I think you're pretty spectacular too. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. For more information on our church, or if you'd like to give a financial gift, just go to our website, emcnj.org.